Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this lesson from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will equip and motivate you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. So you should have received your sermon note handouts during our fellowship time. So if you did not get one of these handouts, raise your hand and our guys will get those to you. But today we're, anybody need one? Hold your hand up. So we got them, got them handed out. Good job. All right. So what, what we're talking about today, our D6 family theme of the week is freed from sin. Now this is our our fusion study guide that we're kind of working through collectively as a church. You can go through this as an individual. It's your daily devotional. You can go through it. Some of our small groups are actually studying this as well. You can do it with just you and your family, whatever way you want to study this. You certainly have the opportunity uh, to do that. But on our study guide here, I have the theme there for you, freed from sin. Now, the goal of the week is to live in freedom. And I'm going to be talking about that uh, here in just a moment on how we can live in freedom in our Christian faith without being tied in to the bondage of legalism and the law and how Paul addresses that for us. And I'm going to be saying more about that. But I want you to look on your fusion facts on the um, handout that I gave you. I want you to look at those. those these are the five devotions that we're working through together this week and the fusion facts go like this first of all number one this will be monday's devotion it says jesus frees us from the legalism of the law over in romans 7 you'll be studying that number two the gospel is about a victorious sacrifice so, so that we could become victorious saints we can live in victory as christians right church we don't have to live defeated lives uh, we don't have to be the victim we are the victor the person of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Say amen or oh me, but let me know you out there. All right. We have victory in Jesus, which by the way, is the whole reason we named this church victory. Uh, one of my old favorite hymns back in the day was victory in Jesus. And that's one of the reasons we named this church victory because we don't have to live a defeated life. We have victory in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, the narrow way is the only way that leads to heaven. We're going to be studying that together in Matthew 7. I love number four, Scripture is a guardrail, not a fence. And we're going to be unpacking that uh, this week in our devotion time. And then transformation is necessary and possible. But today we're going to be talking primarily about this subject here, grace versus law. And our theme of the week is to live in freedom. And a lot of folks really have not tapped into this in their faith. And they struggle with this in different sides of the law or grace and what does that look like and how do we live that way. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today in this message. Matter of fact, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 5. Okay, Galatians chapter 5, we're going to be looking at, really, I'm just going to be unpacking briefly 
the first 15 verses or so in Galatians chapter 5. The sermon notes that I gave you take you all the way through the end of chapter 6. I'm going to give you the general outline of these two chapters. And that way you can take it and you can dig a little further into the scripture. But where I'm going to be parking and what I'm going to try to be unpacking briefly for you this morning is Galatians chapter 5 verses 1 down through verse number 15. Okay? So before I go any farther, uh, let's pray together and then we'll jump right into the word. Father, thank you for our time together today. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for each one that is here, and thank you, God, for our church family. Uh, Lord, today we do pause and we do pray uh, for the families of the victims in the shooting in Pennsylvania uh, this past week. We ask, God, that you be with those families and, and you bring healing to them, and our hearts are heavy as we think about that. What a sad day we live in where folks penetrate churches and synagogues and places of worship to cause havoc and harm. Father, I pray you protect all of us as we gather and worship you and uh, that you just protect our churches and, and our freedom of religion that we have in America. Thank you for men and women that have died giving their lives so that we could have this freedom. And it seems like, sadly, it's being taken away from us little by little. Uh, Lord, we do pray for all of our military, all of our men and women at home and abroad where they're serving. Uh, We pray you keep them safe. We pray for our local officials. We pray for our government. Uh, We pray for our local leaders. We pray for our police, our fire department. Uh, Father, we need all of us collectively working together to bring law and order into our nation. Father, we pray for healing of the United States of America. Lord, now as we focus on your scripture and on your word, we pray that we have a good understanding of what it means to live in freedom in the person of Jesus Christ. And what it means to live in your grace and not necessarily being bound by the law. Father, we pray you open our hearts and our minds and give us understanding as we dig into your scripture. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are you there in Galatians chapter 5? I'm not, so give me just a moment to get there. I want to start unpacking just a little bit of this for you. Uh, But as you have your sermon notes, let me give you the outline first of all. Okay, Number one, this is what I want you to jot down. I'm going to give you four things to jot down. I want you to get these because I may not get back to it. But we're going to be dealing with chapter 5 of Galatians, verses 1 through 15. But I want to give you the outline of all of chapter 5 and chapter 6 of the book of Galatians. Because this particular passage of Scripture... This book that the Apostle Paul wrote wrote, is dealing with the subject law versus grace and how we live in the dispensation of grace today. We're not we don't live bound under the law. We live in the dispensation of grace. I want you to understand that. So the first thing I want you to get in Galatians chapter five, verses one down through verse 15, I want you to write the word liberty, liberty, not Bondage. Okay, this is the outline for the over for the text that we're going to be dealing with. The second thing I want you to look at in Galatians chapter five, verse sixteen through twenty-six, is this topic here: spirit, not the flesh. Okay, and I'm not going to have time to unpack that today, but we're to be walking in the spirit and not the flesh. Now, the flesh obviously desires for 
worldliness and sinfulness, but also it's being bound by the law. Okay, we're to be walking in the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in us once we become a believer in Jesus Christ. And he takes up residence there and he leads us in this walk that we live in. So we're walking in the spirit, not in the flesh. Galatians chapter six now shifts. And as a result of the freedom that we have in the person of Jesus Christ, it will impact the way that we walk in this life. Therefore, we're going to be concerned about others more so than being concerned about ourselves, right? Uh, we live in a very selfish age and a selfish world, and oftentimes folks only want to get involved in something when they benefit from that something. But Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 tells us to bear one another's burdens, right? So we're to be focusing and living our life for others and not necessarily for ourselves. And you'll see that in chapter 6 verse 1 down through verse number 10. And then in chapter 6, 11 down through verse number 18, it's talking about God's glory. And I'm sorry, this should say not man's approval, okay? God's glory and not man's approval. At the end of the day, it's really all about what Christ says. And when we stand before the Lord at the end of the day, we want his, his approval, right? We want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many, right? So um, that's the ultimate goal of God's glory and not necessarily man's approval. Now we're going to go back and we're going to talk in Galatians chapter 5 verses 1 down through verse number 15. We're going to unpack this topic here, liberty and not bondage. And primarily, here's what I want you to get. I want us to learn how we stand fast in our Christian liberty. If you remember, was it last week or maybe the week before when I shared with you the yoke, we have the man-made yoke that religion tries to place on us. And then we have the God-given yoke. You remember what Jesus said, my my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you, right? So we have the God-given yoke, which is easy and light. Or we have the man-made yoke, which is religion. And by the way, the God-given yoke is all about a relationship. And you're going to see a little bit of that here in Galatians 5, verses 1 down through verse number 15. So is everybody good? You ready to go? I want to jump into the scripture right here. Tap your neighbor on the shoulder and ask them if they're ready to go. Are you ready to go? You ready to do this? All right, let's look at these 15 verses here. And I just want to try to glean from it a little bit here. And even as we look at our sermon notes. And I put a few, I put a lot of things in your sermon notes just so you'd have it. Because these are just good things to have, good things to remember as you start working your way through this scripture. But I want to look in chapter 5, verse number 1. Verse 1 says, Christ has liberated us to be in bondage, right? No. Look at that verse. Christ has liberated us to be free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now think about that. Whenever I was growing up in church, to me it seemed like there was a whole list of do's and a whole list of don'ts. And to me it seemed like, boy, if I can just live my life where my list of do's I was checking off more than my list of don'ts, then things will be okay. 
And it seems like I was being taught that as long as I worked and lived by the law, that everything would be okay. And then the preachers doing the best that they could. It seemed like the teaching that I was hearing growing up was a whole list of do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. If you do this, you'll inherit heaven. If you do the list I'm telling you don't do, you're going to miss heaven. And it was almost very much a works-generated religion. Have you guys experienced that? I guess we all have to a degree, right? But I want you to understand that's the yoke of bondage. That's the yoke of the law. We are free. We have been liberated when we have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Me as an individual, I remember even when I went in, when I felt like God was calling me to the ministry, and then I went to Bible College in Asheville, North Carolina, and I was getting involved and indoctrinated with some, what I felt were some legalistic views. You see, here's the deal. I, w- I was raised Southern Baptist. I was educated Independent Baptist, and I was ordained Free Will Baptist, and I've kind of evolved to where I don't even really know where I am today. I really try to focus on relationship and not religion, right? I try to focus on having a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and everything else kind of pans out in the end. Matter of fact, I love whenever you start talking about theology and whenever you start talking about eschatology and the doctrine of last things i love panology just means have a personal relationship with the lord jesus christ i call this canonology have a personal relationship with the lord jesus christ and everything will pan out in the end right that's really where i try to live just focus on my personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the more I learn about the grace of God, the more the Spirit of God then takes the Word of God and makes me more like the Son of God. And I'm not perfect, but I do try and I do stand in my Christian liberty and freedom. I tell you, one of the most liberating things for me as a believer, as a Christian, and even as a pastor, was getting a good, good understanding of the doctrine of Christian liberty and grace that Paul is unpacking for us in the entire book of Galatians. It's really caused me to go back over my entire life and this whole list of do's and don'ts, I really can't find them in scripture. You know what those are? That's the yoke of religion. That's the yoke of bondage. You say, preacher, are you making this stuff up? No. Turn in Acts chapter 15. Turn in your Bibles right there. I don't think I have that on up there, Charlie, so don't look for it. Acts chapter 15. Let me turn and read it to you. Are you there? Are you getting there? If you're in your electronic devices, you have beaten me there, I'm sure. Acts chapter number 15. I want you to look at verse number 10. Now, this is the whole dispute that the Apostle Paul is, uh, or, or that the Gentile believers are having to argue with. But I want you to look in, in uh, chapter 10, or Chapter 15, verse number 10. Scripture says, Now then, why are you testing God by putting a yoke on the disciples' neck that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear? He's saying, listen, this yoke of bondage, this yoke of the law, we've never been able to live up to that. 
Why now are you putting this yoke on these new believers that they fulfill the law if they're going to be saved? You see, they're coming behind the Gentiles that are being saved and the Jewish leaders are. And they're saying, okay, you can be saved, I guess. They weren't real happy that the Gentiles were being grafted in and that they were hearing the gospel and being saved. But they said, okay, now, if you're going to be saved, if you are going to be a Christ follower, okay, we'll let you come in by this thing called justification by faith. We'll let you come in on this thing called grace. You can have all of that. But you must be circumcised, right? Because everybody knows that you've got to be circumcised to be saved. Well, that was the law. And so they were coming in and saying, okay, you can be saved if you want to do that, but you've got to start keeping the law as well. Scripture calls that, in Acts chapter 15, verse number 10, this yoke. Now, why are you testing God by putting a yoke on the disciples' neck that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear? Verse 11, on the contrary, right? He's saying on the other side of the coin, on a different perspective, he's saying that we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in the same way that they are, right? So all through Scripture, oftentimes you can see where there was this dispute on the legalism, the law, and grace. And Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 1 says that Christ has liberated us to be free. Look in verse number 2 of Galatians 5. He says, take note, I, Paul, tell you that if you get yourself circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. And again I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to keep the entire law. And you are trying to be justified by the law or alienated from Christ. Okay? So what he's saying here, okay, if you're going to go out and be circumcised, which is keeping a portion of the law, then what you're going to have to do, you're going to have to fulfill the entire law. And by the way, this whole thing of circumcision really is a reflection of the entire Mosaic law system that was in place prior to Jesus coming and dying on the cross and us moving in to the dispensation of grace to where we are justified by our faith in the person of Jesus Christ. And the grace of God has been extended to us all. And how liberating that is to know that we don't have to fulfill the law to be saved. Now, I'm going to talk just in a moment about how this liberty is not a license to sin, but it is liberating knowing that I'm saved because I trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior. That was liberating for me as a pastor. You see, can I, can I share how naive I was back in my early 20s when I'm going into ministry and I'm going to school and I'm trying to figure this whole thing out and... And I remember sitting in my theology class, and I remember the professor, Dr. Bill Day was his name. And I remember him, and it's just about 25 of us preacher boys. We're all in our early 20s. Some of them are younger than that. And I remember him saying, okay, guys, what's the one thing you must have when you get up to preach on Sunday morning? You know what my answer was? You're going to laugh. You know what my answer was? 
a long sleeve shirt and a tie. That was my answer. Well, why did I respond that way? I responded that way because I was taught some things at a young age that if you're going to do be a Christian or even more so if you're going to be a preacher, then you've got to fill in the blanks, whatever it is. And I could go on and on. Matter of fact, I've even gone into some churches and held revival meetings and Bible conferences and different things and been the guest speaker to come in. And I've met with the pastor and he said, can I look at your Bible? And I said, well, sure. And so I gave him my Bible and he said, well, we only allow one translation in here and we got to be sure you have that translation. And I said, well, okay. And uh, I mean, I've got I collect Bibles, okay? So I've got every translation there is. I mean, okay, which one do you have to have? Okay, I'll use that one, okay? They said, one more thing. Does it have a concordance in the back of it? Well, yeah. Well, you can't preach on our platform if you have a concordance in the back of your Bible. Uh, you, you think I, you're looking at me like a bullfrog in a hellstorm. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. These are some things. What are these things? You know what these things are? They're the yoke of man-made religion. Now, it go, I think it probably touches base in every religion out there, this yoke. Okay, accept Christ your Savior, every denomination out there. Accept Christ your Savior, but do this. Accept Christ your Savior, or and do this. Or accept Christ your Savior, but if you do that now, you're lost and you're not even saved anymore. Hello? Where does that teaching come from? It's called the yoke of man-made religion, okay? Let's, let's try to get through this. This is liberating. There's tremendous freedom as we look at this. I'm going to look at my sermon notes here so I can get a few things for you. But I want you to look at verse number four. You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. Listen, if you're trying to be justified, remember last week we talked about justification by faith. You remember that? If you're trying to be justified by the law, then you don't even need Jesus. If you're going to try your best to just fulfill every jot and every tittle of the law, if you're going to try to be obedient to everything in the law and try to fulfill that, then why do you need Jesus, right? Because Jesus came not to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law, and he's the only one that ever lived a perfect life. So our salvation is found in Jesus, not in the law. Are you with me? That's what he's saying here. If you're trying to keep the law for salvation, then he's saying that you don't even need Christ. But look what he says. You have fallen from grace. The latter part of verse number four. You have fallen from grace. Now, time out right here. I've heard folks take this verse of scripture and tell you how you have just lost your salvation. That's not what it's implying. Okay? This is not talking about losing your salvation. This is talking about doing away with the, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's talking about moving from that, not necessarily speaking about losing your salvation. Which, by the way, I don't even believe in that. I don't believe you lose it, right? And losing your salvation, like, oh, I lost it. Woke up one morning, oh, I lost it. What happened to my salvation? It's got to be around here somewhere, right? I just lost it. That's nowhere taught in Scripture, by the way. That's a whole other message. Verse number five. 
For through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. That's some bold teaching from the Apostle Paul, right? Whether you're circumcised or whether you're not circumcised, it doesn't really accomplish anything. What matters is faith working through love. Faith working through love. And he says, you are running well. And who prevented you from obeying the truth? And then apparently going down through the text and apparently... There were some naysayers saying that the Apostle Paul preached also that you got to be circumcised. And he came back, if you will, in verse number 11. He says, now, brothers, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? So he's, he's defending himself. No, I'm not preaching circumcision. Whoever's coming behind me and telling you that I said you must be circumcised is not the point, is not the case. That is not happening. If I was preaching that, why then am I still being persecuted for preaching this salvation by through grace by faith in the person of Jesus Christ. And then in that case the offense of the cross has been abolished. Verse twelve, I wish those who are disturbing you might also get themselves castrated. There's a little tongue in cheek wording right there from the Apostle Paul. He's not talking literally right here. It's figuratively that they would be completely separated from you is what he's saying. Verse thirteen For you were called to be free, brothers, only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. Let me share with you a couple things right here. And these are in your sermon notes. Okay? And I'm going to try to bring all this together here. Christ cannot profit the sinner who rejects grace and trusts the law. Now let that sink in. The Lord Jesus Christ cannot profit... The sinner who rejects grace and is trusting in the law. In other words, a sinner can't be saved that way. An unbeliever can't come to Christ that way by rejecting the grace of God and trusting in the law. On the flip side of the coin, Christ cannot profit the saint who seeks to live by the law instead of grace. Let that sink in. There's really no profit for the child of God who's seeking to live by the letter of the law and rejecting the grace that God has given each of us. Matter of fact, here's a quote. I want you to get this quote. This is from Watchman Nee. And here's what he says. He says, law means that I must do something for God. Grace means that God does something for me. Right? The law says... My salvation all depends on me. It's how much of this I can keep. It's on me. That's a works salvation. Which, by the way, you'll never live a good enough life to ever be saved. Trust me, I know. And I'm even the pastor. I know. I don't live a good enough life to even be saved. There's no way we can fulfill and keep the law. So the law means that I've got to do something. And you find folks that are all all the time trying to do something to appease Christ or do something to be saved. However, grace means that God does something for me. What What has God done for us? In that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. You know what that is? That's God doing something for us. God knew that there was no way we could get to heaven on our own merit. God knew. Listen, the way he wrote the law, he knew that no man could fulfill that law. But he knew, and Jesus knew, that he himself could become the one that fulfills the law. And Jesus did that. Now, through a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can be saved. Because of what God did for us. And what Jesus did for us. Not by what we do ourselves. You know what happens? Whenever we think that because we're doing all these things, that we have merit with God or we're going to inherit heaven as our, as our eternal destiny because of what we do. You know what that makes us? That makes us arrogant. That makes us self-righteous. That makes us proud. And we kind of look at everybody and say, live up to my standard. You know, you never, they, we look down our nose at people when that happens. And by the way, have you seen some self-righteous Pharisees? Over the years in your life? We all have. I have. And it's like, man alive, I might as well quit trying. Because I could never do that. Listen, you got to stop doing and you just got to start trusting. Grace means that God has done something for me. And that while John Cannon was still a sinner, I remember... And my wife will tell you, she's back there running, I don't know what she's doing in the sound booth today, computer, sound, she's running sounds. And she'll tell you, when she fell in love with that good looking guy, that had a head full of hair, two things happened. Number one, she didn't marry a bald headed guy, and she didn't marry a preacher. And I was the furthest thing from a preacher when we got married. But you know what happened? The grace of God came upon me. God did something for me. And I realized that while I was yet a sinner, that Jesus loved me enough to die for me. And how liberating it is to realize, God, get this. Do you realize that there is nothing that you will ever do in life that will cause God to love you any more than he already does? So quit trying to do that. Quit trying to do more or be better or turn over a new leaf so you can get God to love you more. There's nothing that you will ever do in life that will cause God to love you any more than he already does. While we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his love to us. That's where Jesus died on the cross. But on the flip side of that coin... There's nothing you will ever do that will cause God to love you any less than he already does. So quit trying to live a life to receive God's love. He loves you. Matter of fact, that's great news, right? That's the most fantastic news that we'll ever hear. God loves you. And that while you were yet sinners, God died for you. Jesus died for you. 
There's nothing we'll ever do to cause him to love us anymore. There's nothing we'll ever do to cause him to love us any less. What liber- how liberating that is to know that my faith, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. That's written on the foundation of our church when we built this building. I got a black spray can of paint and put it, painted it on the footers of this building. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's God doing something for us. Look on your sermon notes on the back page there. Paul describes the true Christian walk for us in verses 5 and verse number 6. For through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. So here Paul is describing the Christian walk for us in verses 5 and 6. Three things or so that he puts here for us. Number one, our power is in the Spirit. You know, what we we need to stop trying so hard. And we just need to lay our life before the Lord. Say, God, here am I. This is it. I realize that I'm a sinner and I'm trusting in you as my personal Savior. And then we start walking in the power of the Spirit. Number two, we receive this power by faith through Jesus Christ. We put our faith in him and this faith produces love and works in our lives. So therefore, listen, you don't have to tell somebody to live right, do right, care for other people, take care of them. The more you learn about the grace of God, the more you learn about Jesus, the more you grow, then the more you're going to be fulfilling and living out those things because that's what Christ wants to do in and through us, right? So you don't do those things to be saved. You don't work to be saved because you are saved. Then you leave the cross and do a life of good works. Let me give you a couple more things here and I'll be done. The Christian who says, I have liberty to sin, understands nothing of the cross or of God's grace. Somebody has to band to come on up and get ready. The Christian who says, I have liberty to sin, understands nothing of the cross. You see, the fear is for those people that want to put a yoke of bondage on you and want to give you a whole list of things to do and a whole list of things to don't do. I mean, I heard it my whole life growing up. If you're going to be a Christian, you got to do this. And if you don't do this, well, I doubt you're even saved anyway. You ever heard that? If you do this, these other things, it's possible you're not even saved. And I kind of bite my fingernails and worry and fret. Am I really saved? And I look at my life. Did Did I do the right things this week? Did I not do the right things? And I kind of evaluate and all that. When I came to the knowledge of knowing that my salvation is not based on a list of do's and don'ts. It's not based on how we dress. By the way, how should a preacher dress? Same way you should dress. Scripture says modest. Right? And I have a suit on today with a dress shirt, but I'm a whole lot more comfortable with some jeans and a t-shirt. Right? And oftentimes, as a matter of fact, I'm a little more comfortable in a pair of shorts and flip-flops. But I try to dress up a little bit for you today. But not so I can be saved. Right? On the doormats of our church, I had imprinted on there when I ordered those years ago. 
says, welcome, you know, Victory Church. The catchphrase underneath it is casual atmosphere, serious faith. For those that believe that you got to look like this, act like this, go here, don't go here, do this, don't do this, they don't understand what living in the freedom of Christ is really all about. You see, I remember years ago, for my own self, it was liberating for me as a pastor. I would preach, then I would expect people, obviously, to live what I was preaching from God's Word. And then when I would recognize that folks weren't doing that, I would get all upset about myself. And I'm thinking, okay, God, what am I doing? I'm failing you. And then I realized, that's not my job. My job is to preach the Scripture, let you know that God loves you, and it's the Holy Spirit's job to conform us, transform us into the image of God's Son. How liberating that was, right? So don't come to me and ask for a whole list of do's and don'ts because I'm not going to give them to you. I'm going to say, do you love Jesus? Are you in His Word every day? Right? Are you growing in grace and knowledge, as Peter tells us in his epistle? Are you growing in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? You see, if you'll do that, if you grow in grace, you grow in knowledge of the Lord, then you don't have to worry about having a liberty to sin or understand. You'll know nothing about the cross that way. Here's what I want you to get. Liberty is not a license. That freedom we have in Christ is not a license to sin. Folks come to me all the time and say, is this a sin? And they tell me whatever it is. Is this a sin? And they tell me whatever it is. We know is a sin. Something happened to us. There are some things in Scripture that we know is a sin, right? Like killing someone, right? I really had nobody ever come and ask, is it okay if I kill this guy tomorrow? I mean, that's clearly articulated in Scripture. It's the gray areas sometimes. And I'm not even going to mention one because, or a few because if I mention a few, you'll think that I've left yours out. Here, here's where I land on this. We are free in Christ Jesus to live this life in a way. By the way, look on your sermon notes. Point number four, I believe it is. That we live for God's what? God's what? And not man's approval. We want to hear the Lord say, well done. So, Scripture teaches, and the Apostle Paul, you remember in, Cor- in the book of Corinthians, in Corinth? They came to the Apostle Paul and they said, Is it okay if we eat this meat that's been offered up to pagan gods at the sacrifice? Some of the believers, some of the Christians in Corinth, are taking advantage of the meat. 
what's left over and the sacrifices that have been given to pagan gods. And they're eating that meat. We're telling them, don't eat that meat. Paul said, you're not saved. This is paraphrased. He said, you're not saved because you eat the meat or not. One person's not saved or saved or not saved because they're going there and participating, eating the meat or not eating the meat. Now, they weren't worshiping the pagan god. They were just taking the opportunity to eat the meat that was being offered. He said, you're not saved because you eat the meat or not. However, he did say this. This is where I draw the line. He said, if you going and getting that meat and bringing it into your household and eating that meat, if that offends a brother, then you've sinned. Because whatever you do, you don't want to be a stumbling block to someone. That's where I draw the line with a lot of things in my life. I don't want to live a lifestyle that would be a hindrance to you coming to Christ and knowing Him as your personal Lord and Savior. Because the more I grow in grace, the more I grow in the knowledge of the Lord, I don't do things or not do things so that I'm saved or not saved. I do things so that I don't sin against you, my brother. Why? Because I love you. I love my Christian brother and sister, and I love the unbelievers outside of church that do not know Christ as their Savior. So therefore, I'm not going to live a particular lifestyle that may hinder the cause of the gospel or the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where I draw the line. So you've got to draw that line in your life. So whatever we do, if we do something that hinders someone, then I think... We've missed the mark. We may have sinned there. You're going to say, well, what about... I'm not going there. You're not going to hear me address those things. I'm just not going there. I want you to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, also, you know in our Christian faith, there are people at different levels in their walk with Christ. There are some that have been on the road of salvation for a short time and they may be babes in Christ then there are others that have been on the road of salvation for a longer time and they may be more mature in Christ sidebar how long you've been on the road has nothing to do with how much you've matured right we've all seen 40 year old babies in real life hello how long you've been on the road doesn't tell me how far you've come in your faith but we are to be growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to understand there's freedom in this Christian life. Don't be entangled with the bondage and the yoke of religion. Have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Stay in God's Word. Read a portion of God's Word every single day. I'm not telling you you got to be a theologian. But get something out of it every single day. That's why we promote this, these devotional guides through our church. They're available for you. They're like a buck or I don't know how much they are if you buy one. How much are they? What's wrong with my speaker? They're six bucks. But if you don't have six bucks, we'll buy it for you. I don't know what's happening to my speaker. But what happens here 
is that we're putting a tool in your hand so that you can grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord with just a little bit of scripture and a little devotional thought every single day. If you'll do that every single day, you will grow. But I want you to enjoy the liberty that you have in Jesus Christ. That's what our theme of the week is. To live in freedom. Enjoy this relationship you have with Christ. Walk in the newness of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together today. And Lord, we just pray that as we unpack a little bit of the book of Galatians chapter 5, that you open up our eyes and give us understanding and help us realize that life is not about a list of rules and regulations. That's just called being religious. Lord, we don't want to be religious people. We want to be relationship people. Where you tell us if we grow in your grace and in your knowledge that we will love other people. We will serve them. It really goes back to the Shema mentioned in Deuteronomy 6. We're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then what Jesus added to that great commandment, he said, the second greatest commandment is like the first, that we love our neighbor as ourselves. God, help us to grow in grace. Help us to grow in knowledge of you so that we are no longer bound with the yoke of religion. But we have learned and are learning how to love you and how to love others and how to pass our faith to the next generation. That's the mission of this church. Loving you, loving others, passing our faith to the next generation. Bless each one here today. Give us understanding of your word. Help us to grow thereby. Help us to cultivate and embrace the relationship we have with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this lesson from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360 or you can email us at victoryfwb at gmail.com. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email, call, or send a request to 223 Scott Troy Road, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.